Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of a Picking the brain of the artists who created Paraffin, Save Yourself, Haram, and most recently I Told Bessie would have sounded like a pipe dream just a year and a half ago. But now, off the strength of the love and support you, the listener, have provided me, this past weekend, I was able to sit down with none other than South Jamaica Queen's Elucid, where we were able to dive into his one-of-a-kind lyricism, his creative relationship with Billy Woods, his spirituality, and his latest solo album, an album of the year contender, I Told Bessie. To be honest, I didn't even need to really record this intro. This is fucking elusive. There's no extra hype required. This is a fantastic conversation with one of the best rappers of all time. Let's get into it. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Lucid? Good, I'm good. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I I respect the work. I respect your contributions to the art form. Anybody who follows this show know how know how much I love Arm and Hammer, Lucid, Backwoods Studios, anything related to what that whole scene is doing. So this is just a true honor. I'm really happy to have you on. And first off, I really want to get into your style of rap. You rap in a way that it feels like you're plucking words from the sky and then like reciting it to us, the listener. It's, it's really unique. It's a kind of lyricism that engages me on a spiritual level, but as well as like an intellectual level, because you're actually communicating real topics that actually make me think and are like rooted in reality, which is something that I find is really interesting. And the way you do it all is in a way that's very unorthodox and like how you use your voice and how you present your voice, hold different kind of tones. And it's this style of yours that I want to dig into because I feel on Bessie, this is the one that I feel like you flourish the most. Like there's songs where I feel like you've hit a pocket that I've never heard anybody hit before. And in my review of the record that dropped last month, it, it led me to say that, you know, sometimes you perform your raps as if they're, their chants or mantras, like you use repetition in a really particular way. So it has me wondering how much has the art of like pure poetry influenced your rapping style? And like, do you actually consider yourself in a way a poet as well? Huh? I don't, I don't know if I would maybe consider myself a poet. It's funny when people say that, but I guess because of what I do, then that does make me that. But, uh, I'm a rapper, so rappers are poets. So yeah, I, I am a poet. You know, people don't even, some people don't even like to consider rappers poets. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like it's like inelegant or, or something like that, which uh, doesn't make it any less poetic, but you know, viewpoints. But uh, thank you, thank you. That was a, that was mad compliments. That was mad compliments. But I feel like, 
You're right. <laughs> on, on, on Bessie, on Bessie. I don't know. I was just having a lot of fun, like making this record. I, I had a lot of fun writing the rhymes. Like people will say what they will about like the content or whatever, but like the flow and like how the words are styled against the beat. Um, for me, there was a lot of playfulness. There was a feeling of like playfulness. I'm just having fun with it. So like, that's where it comes from. You know what I mean? Like unexpected pockets maybe, or like how I might uh, like use my voice in a chorus or even within a verse and like start layering things in a particular way. Uh, it's really just like playfulness is like keep myself interested. You know, I could, I could spit a verse straight without any sort of maybe inflection or layering or style, real style, like rap style too. I can spit it like straight with, but then, you know, I'm not sure if that, that would have kept me interested. I, it, you know, it didn't. When I was in the studio, I, I just tried it in different ways. I like to uh, not punch my verses. I saw some technical shit. I'd like to run through a verse like nice. from start to finish or impossible, like a song from start to finish. I'm gonna have to do it live at some point. So just do it now. You do the whole song live? We'll like the whole, whole song, song from, from to top to bottom, from wow. top to bottom. I mean, Bunny Chow was one take. That was one take from top to bottom. It's just like, you're gonna do it live eventually. So you mm -hmm. might as well just like, just get familiar with the record. It's your, these are your thoughts, right? Like this yeah. is your, this is everything that you've like, you know, sort of downloaded and then like, up shut back on a beat so this is all this is me i should be able to do this and it's always been that way from from like day one of like me even um just like being in my room like i'm thinking about that i haven't thought about this in a while just like like when i first started rapping and be like yo had the idea of like well let me try like what does it sound like if i record it and i remember i had like like my dad used to like my dad used to work out and like have a weight bench mm. a bench press and shit and i remember you know, one end was the bench press and the other end was like this weird kind of like a lat, a lat pull down thing. So I remember, mm. I, you know, I had like really like old belt drive turntables. I had the beat playing on there through like a cassette and I had a mic and like a little old mixer my uncle gave me. And I would have the mic hanging from the, the lat pull down machine. So it's like the mic's in front of my face. I can stand up and I'm rapping. And just because it was tape, there's no punching, just it's just cassette tape just hit recording though like that's where it started just get the song done from top to bottom you can't stop and like punch in and fix mistakes just get it right the first time you know try to i think that like organic feel because of the way you do that it comes across i'm even thinking of that song you mentioned bunny chow that's the one if i had to choose that exemplifies exactly what i mean on that record because it's, I mean, it's amazing, but like it also, I think it really resonated similarly. Like I was watching a, a Mike Seatown review of the record recently, and he made the almost the exact same comment I had made. And I definitely didn't watch it until like literally yesterday. I'd already done the review. And the same thing I said about Bunny Chow is like the way the pockets you chose to rap in just wouldn't be the ones that I would have think thinking, I would think a rapper would typically go in. And it's just so fly. Like, Yo, shout out Seth Bash. Shout out Seth Bash. That beat's one of the best things I've ever heard, period. Yeah, as soon like, as I heard that beat, it was like, I want it. But also, like, for the reason why I like the pocket, you know, it was just so, it was so, like, very traditional boom bap to me, but also just not. 
it was tweaked. The rhythm was like very, it was more, a little more intricate. And it, you know, it was allowed me for me, I guess, for me in my ear, it just like, I could dance a different dance on this kind of a beat and like shout out Seth Bash. Man, shout out Seth yeah. Bash. And even like yeah. the way the song ends, like you're the way you, like the last lyrics, the way it kind of cuts off just seems again, odd. I was almost like, oh, the song's <laughs> over, but it's so sick. Yeah. Like it's, you just kind of let that drop and oh, I love it. Yo, that was to be honest, like that was again Seb Bass. That's just how the beat was. That's just yeah. how he had the beat like structure. I didn't ask for any changes. What he gave me is what he gave me, and that became the end result. You know, I love I love that. I, you know, making making rap for me is like it's uh it, at its best, at its most fun, it's spontaneous. It's like not really thought about. It's just kind of like you work with what you have and you just do what you do in this time frame, And then what that is, is what it is in the end. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite way to work. Yeah, we didn't do anything to Seb's beat, like how he sent it. That was, that's the demo version, you know? Just, Billy Green just beefed it up, you know what I mean? Just made it bigger than what it is, but yeah. I got rocks in my head, I didn't listen right. Rather than brown, fuck what they said, now he won't miss the light. Shifting gears more than aware, I bit my tongue in spite. Bang my face on the wall, they didn't call me back in time. If you ask and don't bother, he's hardly there, the body rests. Half-hearted, hollow, hello, hello, oh it's time to chat. I bet on my mother boy, I've been getting up before. Reaching past the undercar, as above, so below. And another thing I want to, I've been really wanting to ask you about is, you know, we all know your music, you know, is lyrically dense, it's challenging, all that good stuff. But I personally find like when I listen to like I'm on Twitter or I'm like reading the kind of comments about music that obviously I'm I'm in those conversations. I find people tend to fixate on the quote unquote complexity of your music in a way that I find a bit strange. Like people act like your lyrics are this impenetrable puzzle to crack while also kind of losing sight of the musicality and the style, like all the stuff you just talked about. So I'm wondering, is this a sentiment that you also shared that like, does it surprise you or even bother you when people say things along the lines of them not understanding what you're saying in your music? Hmm. I think, I think a few things about that, but I think like the first, the first thought is like, we just, always want to compare things. We try to make sense of shit. Like we, we get it, we get, we receive things and we just want to make sense of it. However your brain makes sense of it. And I think when people like, whatever, they classify my music in these ways, complex or like impenetrable, or I think they're just comparing it to like whatever is popular. So I guess like the baby or like, well, I don't know, whoever's popular out here mm. rapping right now, you know? So obviously, like, yeah, compared to somebody like that, I could I could see that, but it doesn't mean that like you can't enjoy it or get into it or 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 you know just spend time. Also, like I believe you don't have to even understand everything that you like enjoy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's such like a, a crazy, like, like egocentric like position, I think. You know what I mean? To just be like. Well, if I don't understand it, it's stupid. Or I don't understand it, it's to be like ignored. It's kind of it's kind of bullshit, you know, just on a life level. But I don't know. I can't really even like I can't pay attention to that because that would change what I would do. Yeah. You know what I mean, trying to like make myself 
easily digestible. I, I don't know. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time. And uh, yeah, I've heard this my entire, <laughs> you know, for as long as I've been a rapper. 20 years ago, it was just like, yo, you're so ahead of your time. You're so ahead of your time. And now it's like, it's too complex. It's too this, it's too that. I know, but people seem to dig it. And uh, I love that. I love, I try to write in ways that like, I know it just suspends like narrative in a way. So, and when you do that, like people can like make up their own meaning for like what I'm saying. Like it'll have my meaning, right? Uh, as I'm the one that's creating it. But like when I put it out in the world, someone would hear it and it becomes their thing. It's, it's loose enough for them. It's easier for them to grab onto it. Like, I love that. I love that. But also like, firstly, you really don't have to uh, understand everything that you enjoy. You know, yeah, it's like a weird it, thing when enjoy, people you're gonna keep going back for it, you know, and as you keep going back for it, yeah, you'll learn. <laughs> you yeah. know, you understand things in different in different ways, you know. Not Just, everything has to be logical, like it doesn't have to have your brain like because you're right. That's exactly uh, I feel like it's such a natural thing. We all want to make sense of the world. So we like, oh well, this lie means this. It's like it yeah. doesn't need to be a math equation, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be. It can be, but it doesn't need to be, and that's fine. And for me, I feel like me and experimental music, I'm not usually the type, like like for me, at least I'll say like the part I usually have a hard time understanding isn't really the end result of like the music we as listeners consume when we press play on an album. What does baffle me and inspires me and just, just confuses the hell out of me is the creative process to get there. Like how the fuck did the artist even think of making music like this? That's what comes to my mind. That's the part that I'm like, damn, like what? Like how did Elucid know that, you know, inserting this sound of a baby crying into the beat of a, a thousand faces would sound so good. Uh, like that truly baffles my mind. And those kind of decisions is what like really interests me, but it's not like the end result. It's not like, oh, I don't understand this song or I don't understand anything. It's more like, how did he get there? Cause that's really cool to me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That is a great thing about it. I want to get into some, like, as you said, like, we're talking about people not under, like, having a hard time or kind of having these weird, obtuse ways of looking at your music. But you have, and, and with Woods, with Arm & Hammer especially, like, you've really risen to another level in popularity in the recent years, which is obviously fantastic. We all, like, so many people love your music. That's great. And I want to particularly get into that using one of your lines off uh, Soft Gold, off the White Label record. Huh. Um, you I say, forgot you have that record. What did you say? I forgot you have that record. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I found, it found, my, it found its way to me. I'll just say that. Um, you say somewhere, but somewhere between happy to be here and y'all should have been knowing, I won't abandon the moment, control my only opponent. I found that one really enlightening because made me think like how has it felt wrestling with those kinds of thoughts as you've kind of risen in profile in recent years seeing you know a bunch of fans that have only caught wind of you within the last let's say like last year and a half since haram dropped and not being aware of all the great work you've put out previously like does it how do you feel like how do you reckon with that because in this line it, it seems to be something that's on your mind yeah i think you know in that moment you know we're we're making this record and uh, we're making white, white label and it's just like, oh, it's going to be this, this, this European exclusive uh, 12 inch vinyl with no cover to be sold in on our European tour. And like, 
that was just big to me. It was just really cool. And it was just like, damn, man, my 17 year old self would like be totally into this and would be proud of like who I would be, you know, years down the line. Uh, so that's the mindset, like going into it, but I'd be like, I'd be lying if I, if I didn't like, it's true. That first part of the line, it's like, I'm not gonna lie, man. I, there is like an anger. There was like an anger at times. Like it, it can, that feeling washes over me. Anger mm. when I think about like, damn, man, y- y'all actually should have been that way. Like, y'all sh- like, what do you mean? Like what? Y'all weren't like paying attention. Like, what's different? Like, I didn't change. Y'all change. Exactly. But also, like, that's bitter. That's whack. Like, also, I'm like, I'm grateful for this shit. Like, whatever, whatever. Like, I'm here now, and like, this is what's happening, and like, it's a crazy like position. It's like a big blessing to be here. Like, I make rap music. That's what I do for a living, I make rap music. People like to hear like things that I make. That's incredible. (laughs) That's, you know, I love it. So it's just, I don't want to be bitter, but it's also like that exists because, you know, I've done this for a long time. I've like sacrificed a lot to like, you know, make music despite a lot of things, many things. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people quit. I've seen a lot of people like shift their focus um, away from um, making music or chasing a dream, like wanting to make a, a dream actually happen. Like people stop doing that because life, you know, exactly. it's hard. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still here. So, you know, I'm very grateful to be in that position, but, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't heard that in a while. I should go listen to that, to that, to that record. That's the one that I think, is that a, is that a Seb Bash beat too? Yeah. Dog, man, that guy is <laughs> just crazy, yeah. man. I like on white label, he showed out obviously on Bessie he did. And then now I've like looking back, I have known that I have heard some of his stuff before. Like that, some of my favorite beats on that evidence last record was, was incredible, incredible. And there's something about the way he has this like gr- weird warped griminess, but it is still, like you said, boom bap kind yeah. of in its elements. It's, it's crazy. He, he could definitely describe like how he does it better but it's like it's to samples obviously and then like there's like a lot of human elements at play whether it be like synthesizers or just like strange sounds added into a beat and like he's playing it in this particular rhythm like playing against rhythms like he's got a, a really really strong ear focusing on that kind of feeling again of uh just kind of like being here now being at this place in your career where a lot of people now are really fucking with their shit like the white label frenzy i'm sure like as you said that's just it is wild like it's, it's crazy like when was was there ever a point in the last let's say couple years really since 2020 where you felt like oh things are gonna change because it feels like there's been some kind of tidal wave change with not only you not only woods but like all of backwoods related artists like everything that's dropping from rock curly castro's last record steel tip doves record they've all i feel done very damn well yeah i uh i can't explain it i don't know i i had that i, I feel like i have that feeling about everything that i do i always feel like yo this is gonna be the one it's gonna change everything <laughs> well, here we are. You know what I mean? Like, I felt that way for the longest time. Osage, especially. I love that record. I really thought that was 
and save yourself. I don't know. It's just uh, it's just the time. It's just the time that we're in. And, you know, thankfully, we're like making things like as a team, as a, as a roster, as backwards, like artists, like we're just making things that people are responding to. Um, you know, this lane is like kind of wide, wide open, like a whole way that was different from when I was maybe like 18, 19, 20 years old. The game was like, it was just different. The rap industry was like different. Uh, and it allows, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for this pocket that we're sitting in right now, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, not silly. <laughs> I'm not silly, but yeah, we're, we're, we're in this pocket and yeah, this, I have so many, you know, many more plans for like what's, what's happening next. Yeah. We'll see. And so let's get into Arm and Hammer a bit. And I want to start particularly at the beginning, specifically how it all began. What was yeah. the Genesis, uh, the spark for you guys to decide to join forces and become this entity known as Arm and Hammer? history will absolve me. Uh, I met Woods during the recording of that album. Uh, We were in the studio and he played Pompeii. Um, And that shit blew me away. And then I recorded, I don't remember which one was first, but maybe Sour Grapes. Mm. That song Sour Grapes. And then there was uh, Friedman's Bureau, I think. Those two songs, we did those that night as well. Yeah, from that moment on, it was just like, let's make more records. And we kept making records. And it was like, yo, we should just be a group. And then race music happened. And it was just like that. It was like real, you know, we met at a, a live show that I was performing at. You know, he just liked it. And he was like, yo, hit me up, blah, blah, blah. And just like that. They're real simple, you know? Yeah, it seems very organic and like genuine kind of connection. And like, to me, you're in the stratosphere of artistry where I'm sure you could pair up with a bunch of different rappers and it would be great. But obviously five albums, a compilation album, EP and mixtape later, it's clear that you and Woods have something special, like a special kind of chemistry that's undeniable. So in your opinion, what's the main reason why you and Woods work so well together as a duo? Mm. I think I think Woods is a, a, a really dope solo artist on his own. And I, I think he might, he'll say that for me too. So I think when you're working like as a group, like I think that that baseline of respect should be like there. You know what I mean? Because I think from there, it just becomes about like challenging like, myself or yourself or ourselves like when we're making records because it's like you know like woods are gonna come with some crazy shit and it's just like yo how are you gonna like stand next to that like you can't really slap you can't slack off because like woods has just gotten better <laughs> you know what i mean like i feel like i got be- i got a little bit but i definitely know woods has gotten like way sharper in the past five years or so you know three years you know even like uh so it's like how do I like compete? We always, you know, healthy competition, man. It's always, it's always that. Like who, who's, who's got the best verse, you know? You know, who, I think that's uh, important. I think it's like also cool. Like even how we like might start making songs. It's just like, can I make something that would inspire him to write to? You know what I mean? Like 
that's how some Armin Hammer song, a lot of Armin Hammer songs are made. You know what I mean? I'll just get a beat or he'll get a beat. Somebody will get a beat, right? If you feel inspired, move on it. Mm. Play it for this person. I need to get a reaction out of you. Can I draw a reaction out of you? You know what I mean? Like that's, if I get Woods like excited about making a record, then we're on a good track. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's just, it's just playfulness, man. Competition is playfulness. That's what really keeps me involved. Like working with really talented people who are inspired and have like a sense of just like, yo, I want to be the nicest. I, I thrive in that kind of like environment, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I heard before in some recent interviews, I don't know if it was with you or with Woods or both of you, but I think one of you were talking about how, like, for instance, Woods, his thing that he loves to do whenever you guys make records together, make albums specifically, is like, he's all about the sequencing. Like, he's the guy who puts the track listing together. <laughs> so, like, what do you think your role, like, if there is a kind of like a, a natural role you place uh, you kind of play in the creative process for an Arm & Hammer record. Like, what do you think that is? Is it like song concepts? Is it like beat selection? I, I, I pick the best beats. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I yeah. pick, I pick beats that'll take too. Woods. I'll take, I'll pick beats that'll take me out of my comfort zone, but also definitely Woods out of his comfort zone. Yeah, I like choruses and, and hooks. I, you know, I contribute to the sound in ways that you may not even know, like how I'm like, layering sounds on beats and like effects that I'm using on vocals and beats and drops. And I'm just interested in like, just crafting like songs to emote particular vibes and moods. Like I, I do that, you know, Woods, Woods is the sequencer, right? And the sequence, if, you was, if it were a movie, like it's scene by scene from start to finish, this is how the story is told. But there are other elements within the movie that make the movie the mm, movie, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So I'm doing everything else you know, uh, you know, dealing specifically with the music and the creation of the music and the, the sculpting of the music. I'm, I'm really, uh, I, I really like that role. And what do you think has been something that you've learned from Woods over the years? And what do you think he's learned from you? Oh, uh, man. <clears throat> I don't know. You should ask him that question. What he's learned from me? I don't know. Uh, I have an, I have an idea, but I want you to go first. I think Woods, Woods has shown me consistently like the value of like an idea. And I think that comes from like knowing how like he like edits his rap sometimes and like the ability to like, like value like, a, like an idea. And it's like, it may not be like whatever today, but you can come back later with fresh eyes, stand at a different side, look at it. I have a totally fresh like perspective and I, you know, I think that's something for me personally, um, what I think I've learned from Woods. Well, well, the thing I was thinking that he definitely learned from you or, and especially the way you kind of said it, especially because you are the one who's typically picking the beats or you're the stronger influence when it comes to courses, those kinds of things. I think your handle on sound must've been something he's been influenced by because especially in the last, I'd say, three years, particularly from brass onwards, uh, maybe hiding place onwards, hiding places onwards, like his songwriting and the production on his records have definitely improved. Like that's been probably the, I think I agree his writing's gotten even better, but something about like the choruses, whether it's himself or someone else, like they, they're just hitting a lot harder. And I I bet that must be something to do with working with you so much. You know, I mean, 
he might say the same thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, again, like we, we work closely together. So it's like, we do live shows together. So it's like, you see, when you pick things out into a live sphere, like you're able to see like what, how people respond to things like in real time. And you bring that back into the studio and if you're diligent, yeah, your your songwriting should get better as you play out more, I think. But yeah, I could definitely see that in Woods. I agree with you. I agree with you. In the past, I would say five years when I really like, really saw this sort of like climb um, and all the records he's put out in the past three to five years for sure, uh, it's gotten much iller. Yeah. It was all dope from the jump. Like I said, well, Pompeii knocked me down. Like I had never heard a rap song with that, that wild. subject matter and then just like this level of intensity. Nah, man. So yeah, he's been doing it, but yeah, for sure. Smile, niggas. Smile. Trials threatening in my full expression. Stressors. Hey. Pressure cooking, then I got your message. Messer. On herself, picking pocket, finding joy, blowing off the lip. All that binds, we deserve to be about our minds. Black prioritize, cup running over what the heart provides. I got five on my shoulder, drawing closer in these dark times. And before we get into some of your the solo work that I really want to dive into, the last kind of arm and hammer related thing I want to talk about is haram. Like that's that's an inescapable kind of portion of my rotation for the since it dropped in I think March of. March of 2021? Is that? Yeah. Uh, 2020. Haram dropped in, no, it dropped in 2021. Am I wrong? No, because Small Bills dropped in 2020, right? Yeah, Small Bills dropped in 2020. Uh, Haram was after. Brass was like December. Yeah, it was 2021. Okay. You made me think I was going crazy for a second. (laughs) Uh, So obviously that one, the big kind of difference between that record and a lot of others that you collabed with one producer being the almighty alchemist. I know there's a lot of things that we could talk about and kind of wax poetic forever about The Alchemist, but if you could just pick like one thing, like what would be the most kind of special quality that you feel The Alchemist brought to the Arm & Hammer recipe, the Arm & Hammer sauce? Huh. I think just like willingness to like bend. I think willingness to just sort of like, like he is the alchemist. Like he could just like do you know, whatever he wants. He works with everybody. He's like the alchemist. He could have a way bigger fucking ego about like his music and like how he thinks things should be done. He could do that and people would understand it, but he didn't. Like he came, he came and he was just like, yo, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to make shit in y'all world. And I was like, oh, word. (laughs) So like, there's this like, yo, I want to work with you. I. So it's like we, there was like a shared like vision. He could send a bunch of beats like, nah, if you don't like it, it doesn't even matter. Like we'll just, I'll just add more, just keep sending more, making more. And that's what happened. And I think that like, just that, that particular attitude, the way he went about it was just like, kind of just like, yeah, unfortunately, because it was like pandemic, like we didn't make the album like in person. Like we weren't in the same room. Um, so it's more like, just sending mad beats and just letting us pick this particular vibe. And then when we picked this thing, then we were able to like make it like our way. It was just like, yo, just like showing up, showing up and ready to like, yo, be selfless in like this team effort of like making a a cool rap record, you know? 
when he has like this legendary status and we're just like just kind of old new jack guys you know were, were these uh, beats things that he had made specifically for arm and hammer yeah a lot of them were i know that he does now, Woods Woods told me the other day he talked to Al recently and he was just like he's just been, he's been setting aside beats for Arm and Hammer, you know. I think I think you know he gets requests from you know a lot of people like I want this particular beat, this particular beat. But I think you know for us he kind of has this idea of like what he thinks we like and just saves things on the side for us. And again, like much appreciated. Uh, I mean, I think it's the biggest compliment ever because that's actually something that I. And a lot of people have made that remark that the alchemist could have been like, Hey guys, come over here to like, even though Arm, he's very, obviously very prolific and versatile in his own right. The beats he made for Haram were not what he has normally done. Even if he does get experimental from time to time. And I feel like that's the, that's remarkable that he trusted your vision to be like, Hey, let me, let me come over here and, let me make something for you versus like, Hey, I, I'm the alchemist. You do what I say. That's yeah. like a real shows the give and take that I think is required in collaboration. That's, that's really, yeah, beautiful. that shit makes, and that made me excited. Like hearing that, you know, that's just like, I see freedom when you start collaborating people with this type of like vision. Yeah, man. Okay. I want to get into, before we even get into Bessie, this amazing record from 2022 from this year, I want to start with save yourself. Your first, Backwoods solo debut from 2016. Yeah. And, you know, in contrast with Save Yourself, that I felt was very claustrophobic and urgent sounding musically, the tone of this latest record, Bessie, feels a lot more weightless and kind of like at peace. And you mentioned playfulness before, which I think is like a really perfect word for kind of like what I felt. Um, you know, lyrics from Bessie, like words mean things, but don't have to. There'd be no blues if I was blameless. Like, those come to mind in particular because they just feel like they're it's very mature and kind of like accepting or at peace. So looking back at 2016 to now, what has been the biggest change or the biggest changes in your life from then until now that you feel like m impacted your music the most? Wow. 2016 feels so, that feels like eons ago. That feels so long ago. I was in like, a, just a really, just in life, just a, a, a different person. Save Yourself, I think at its core was a breakup album. Mm. At its core was a breakup album. It was recorded right at the end and definitely like the after of like a long-term relationship I was in. Um, so that influence is there, even though, they, I mean, there are a couple of like explicit maybe like references to that or even like songs. But yeah, at its core, it's a breakup album. My living situation was very different. And then Bessie, six years later, you know, uh, it's the total opposite. You know, I have love with a partner and I have a child. Let me think, the timeline, if I'm correct about the timeline, yeah, I even found out I was having a second child during the recording of, of Bessie. Like, wow. wow. You know? Uh, so, yeah, life is just very... I've done a lot of living, you know, in, in six years. A lot of living. So I think that the lyrics, the lyrics may have reflected that, you know? That's really cool to hear that you receive it that way. The lyrics definitely reflected that. 
You know, I, I've never stopped. Also, I've been like obviously like busy. You know what I mean? I'm making making records with some very talented beings out here. You know, for that length of time. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, big big difference, man. And you know, one of the major differences between Save Yourself and these past both solo records you've dropped. Um, as well as the, well, I guess not considering some of the instrumental records you've done, which obviously you produced, things like that, but like obviously the Arm and Hammer work and things like that, though Save Yourself was 90% roughly produced by yourself. And yeah. so that's definitely like a very notable difference in your recent work, especially the last three years. Is this something that you'd ever want to come back to and make a another full-length self-produced album and like why do you feel you've moved away from that in recent years yeah I, I definitely um it'll happen at some point making a record that way is really tough and maybe at the time when i made save yourself i don't know if i thought about it that way because i had a lot of time i had a lot of time for myself and time is just different i have a different relationship with time these days so it requires a lot of it uh to make a record that's self-produced I still make sounds, I still loop things, I still make beats, but I don't really think of them as something for me to uh, to rap over these days. I Nowadays I hear other people doing mm. things to it, or it just kind of like stands alone um, as an instrumental sort of DJ thing, which is like, what I've always wanted, I wanted that own particular lane too, because like even playing live shows, you know, for the past few years, it's been just a lot of arm and hammer on the road things and not solo type performances. So when I obviously like it's a two man group, like now my catalog becomes shorter, you know, so it's like, how do I make a live solo show and, you know, just expressing like I make beats, I make sounds, soundscape type things and I doing it live is exciting for me as well, you know, so just trying to do a little bit more of that. But I don't know, at some point, uh, there will be a record at some point, you know, for sure. Yeah, I'd love to hear that, especially when we're talking about like newer fans joining the fold. Like I say, Save Yourself is a classic and people ought to check that out. Shit Don't Rhyme No More is great, but I would love people to hear you as a producer too in like a real kind of full length picture. That'd be amazing. That'd be really amazing. Uh, yeah. And so you mentioned it, you've been very busy since the release of Save Yourself. It's not like you've dropped no music for the last six years. Right. You've been insanely prolific. You dropped Shit Don't Rhyme No More in 2018 and then like a re-release in 2019. Uh, obviously the Arm & Hammer records, but also Small Bills with The Lasso, that's great. Notes from Grocers with Rap Ferreira. Um, it has me wondering what compelled you to release I Told Bessie in this particular moment now in 2022? and was this project something that you kind of, was it just a fact of, you know, I'm really busy and I have all these other records to make, or was it, you know, I needed more time to kind of like accumulate life experiences and get inspired to, to kind of finish this? Yeah, I think um, I knew I always wanted to do a solo record, you know, after Save Yourself, like trying to make a solo record, but like things started like taking priority and like obviously Arm & Hammer like really took priority. I remember like a specific summer in 2017 because that's when like she was really rolling or setting up. Like, you know, we were pushing the that ball, you know, we, we were, it was approaching the summit. We was going to knock that, you know, 
I'm losing where I was going to say. <laughs> but in that that summer of 2017, in that summer, like uh, or like spring and summer, Paraffin was recorded, Rome was recorded, Nostrum Grosses was recorded. Oh shit! All you know. So that was just like, and then things became what they became, and you know. As shit has gotten busier in the past couple of years, Woods was like, yo, you should just put out a solo album. You should just put out a solo album. The momentum is kind of crazy. Like people kind of want to hear it. I think it'll do well. And uh, I had that idea for a year and then didn't, you know, didn't really move on it. Started some things, abandoned some ideas, um, making songs. But yeah, the second year, yeah, this year, end of, uh, we're in 2022, the end of 2021, you know, that fall into like the new year, early part of the new year. Yeah, man. Super inspired. And uh, because of the beats, I was getting some, so much crazy, crazy beats from Child Actor, Seth Bash, uh, August Fanon, like late edition at Kenny Siegel. I was just getting a lot of ill shit that was just like really uh, falling to this particular pocket. So yeah, it came together pretty quickly. But yeah, it was all Woods. Like, you know, you just do the record now, man. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It made sense. I'm glad. I'm glad he he kind of gave you that little push because it's great. And I think I also really appreciated like when this dropped. It dropped with all the merch too. That's something like as like a, a fan, it's really nice when you kind of like see all the options. You you kind of and, and there was some beautiful like the wax is beautiful, but you also had like the shirts from Gang, the poster, like the, the cassettes, yeah, like yeah, everything yeah. Was, was super very much like laid out perfectly. It's just like, you know, just like, yeah, the momentum of things, you know what I mean? It's just, we're just at this particular place. So it was just like, I can't, I don't want to put out this record in the same way that I put out records in the past. I got to be a little bit more, I have a little bit more resource. Like, let's just do that again. I'm working with some like super amazing, talented human beings. And it's just like, yo, let's just do it now. Let's just do it now, you know, and working with gang on those, on those tees is just like, of course. I've uh, I've loved his visual like language from the first time I saw um, some of his things, uh, the uh, the East Side power violence shit, all those hoodies and like tees from like back in the day, like. So yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud of this record and all that's happened. Alex Richter, you know, with the poster, all the crazy photos. Yeah. And so keeping with I told Bessie here, one of the things that I remarked in my review of the album that really I felt very moving was the fact that I told Bessie felt very much like a spiritual experience and even more so than your previous records. And one thing I really loved from a recent interview you did with cabbages, you remarked in your relation to your church background. And I just like put the quote up, I'll read it uh, because I think it was really cool. It's, you said at the core of a lot of that shit, looking back on it as a grown person, it's really like a death cult. These people can't wait until the world ends so they can go to heaven. I was like, wow, that really took me back for a second. And this was very enlightening because like, it had me thinking, what is your relationship with spirituality and religion? And what role, if at all, does it like, does your music play in you exploring your spirituality? Hmm. I think, I think making music is a, is a very spiritual practice process it is um i'm not assigned i've i don't assign to like a particular religion or like 
house of spirituality. I see connections in like a lot of things that may not seem connected. I see uh, jewels of like goodness and truth and a lot of different like ideas and philosophies, spiritual systems. So I'm open to a lot of things, open to a lot of things. Um, I'm paying attention to, I'm feeling a lot of things. I'm, I'm feeling a lot, you know? Um, that's important in like the practice of like creation, any kind of creation, but, you know, speaking for like music creation, um, it's important to be open and to be sensitive. And when you're talking about things like that, you're talking about, you know, spiritual matters. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's my thing spiritually. You know, I was raised within a particular, you know, Black Pentecostal Christian you know, house of worship. Like that's where I came up and that's where I uh, first experienced or like understood like ideas of like God and the nature of life. And so, yeah, like what I said in that Cabbages interview is just how like I interpreted like my experience like as a grown person. As a kid, you don't really, I didn't really have like a say in like, oh, I'm not, gonna go to church like it just mm. was it just it's just what you what we did you know what i mean and even when i became of age to even question these things you know it really wasn't happening so just being a person of just like with a nature of questioning like things didn't always make sense to me so i'm going to ask questions i'm going to ask questions about like what i'm doing every week on a sunday you know so i don't know i feel like i just didn't get the answers that i wanted mm -hmm. Or I, I didn't feel settled on like, this is the concrete answer. This is the reason. I just didn't believe it. So that just kind of like, you know, led me to like explore other things. And just, again, like just being open to a lot of different like ideas of, uh, you know, spiritual ideas. So, yeah, I mean, it's just my interpretation of like, it's, I mean, it kind of is what it is, you know, it's where the idea of like born into this world, but not being of this world because this world is going to hell, <laughs> right? And you're, you're God's favorite, so you're going to heaven, right? So like, why are you trying to slow down the timer to destruction? Like, why, like, yo, don't you want to get this thing going? Yeah, for real. You know, and at its core, like, that's really what that shit is about, at its core, you know? So, you know, and that, it gets really like, you know, depending on where you're at in the world, because like Woods can tell you also stories of like, you know, maybe certain members of his family with like a very similar like idea of like God and the world um, and like backwoods Jamaica, like rural Jamaica, you know what I mean? Or It extends, you know, wherever Christianity touched down, there are folks that really take, you know, extreme views of this kind of thing. And like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really like the way you talk about these topics, especially because, you know, it's, it's definitely touchy, but it's also something where at the end of the day, neither of us, there's no real, there's no factual, we, we can't deal in facts. It's all just, you know, what yeah. you feel, what you kind of, you kind of just feel you're in tune with, but we, we all don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'm similar in, in a, in a way that I feel like I'm generally agnostic. Like I, I don't claim to know, but 
that I, I like the way I you have a problem about. when people who like, you know, that we're, we, if we could establish that baseline that we know in, it, there's no factual. Right. You know what I mean? So that, that means that I can't impose my beliefs on someone else. I can't make someone do or be or feel a certain way if I actually believe that that's our baseline. You know what I'm saying? And that's where my issue came with a lot of like, you know, Christianity. And it's, it's always trying to impose your shit on other people who don't believe what you believe. It's a big problem for me, you know, just ideologically. Yeah. And I like, I, like, I think your music and the way you kind of write generally lends itself well to this kind of topic because it isn't coming from this like really directed in like imposing this. No, it's not true. Or it is true. Or this is not true. Or this is right. This is wrong. You kind of just explore it. You kind of pose it in an open way. And we, as a listener can kind of just take that and be like, Oh, that's interesting. And then, but we, you're not like forcing me to agree with you, if that makes sense. And it's, and, but, and the way you do it, especially with all the poetry and your rhyming generally, it just adds to the kind of impact. I feel as you were talking, like, I just kind of like thought of this and I thought of this before, but also like, you know, again, like where I'm at, like my age, my influences. I've seen this type of rap that you're talking, the preachy, the preachy rap. I've seen it. I've seen it be like just trashed. You know what I mean? I've seen it praised and I've seen it trashed. Um, I've seen, I'm trying to learn from maybe some of my elders mistakes. You know what I mean? Like there's a line, there's a line that people are towing when it comes to like, sort of like preachy versus kind of like free, sort of rap and i don't ever want to be like that preachy guy yeah and i think as arm and hammer like when we put in woods to this i think you guys work really together uh, well together especially on this topic because you do it in the way that i just described you know very open um very like deeply poetic and abstract and then woods kind of like if he wants to touch on these like he'll have lines like that are like christianity's cultural uh appropriation yeah. He does it with like that classic, like dry humor. And I just feel like you both yeah. aren't like being preachy. You both aren't like, like making me feel stupid, but it's, it kind of has a, a similar effect that it makes me think, but in different ways, which I think is just really dope. Sure, man. That's dope, man. Thank you. Uh, part though apart, wet earth and hollow sent the heart. Following my arc, you should park is where you start. I'm a dancer in the dark. Running tangents off the mark. If you're seeking understanding, you should jam this way you are. One of the things it would be remiss if we don't mention it. Like I told Bessie, this album sounds phenomenal. It's not just all about like your lyrics. Willie like, Green. It's truly, yeah, Willie Green recorded the Greenhouse, mixed and yeah, mastered. There. Also, one of the first. What's well, not the first? I did. We did the National Grocers record, top to bottom in there. But like solo record, my first solo record, top to bottom recorded with Willie Green. That's great. And it sounds like it. And when we look at the production credits, as we kind of talked about earlier, there's no beats truly produced by you. But I have to imagine as a great producer yourself, you were still very involved in the musical decisions related to this project because, you know, from like the flows of like how sounds kind of went into one another, there's a meticulousness to it all that feels very intentional. So, you know, how did you work with Green and the, the other kind of producer collaborators to craft this final sound that we got on I Told Bessie. And like, what was the sound generally that you were going for? I wasn't really sure. I wasn't really sure at the beginning. I don't, I don't know if I really make music um, in that way, starting with an idea 
and then all my decisions after are trying to like support that first decision. Interesting. Um, it's usually like more random <laughs> and just like, it just really just takes a sound or a loop or, you know, it doesn't take much to like start uh, inspiration. I think one of the first songs uh, that was done, the first couple of songs that were done, Child Actor kind of like sparked it. Child Actor sparked I Told Bessie. Spelling and Split Tongue. There may have been another song in there, but those two stand out to me right now. Spelling and Split Tongue. Um, and something about like the looseness of Split Tongue is what drew me to it. It was spacious. And I knew that, uh, I knew that I wanted to like, maybe use my voice in this particular way of like singing and harmonizing um, on that track. And that allowed those sounds just like really drew it out. And then I kind of had like the running say what you say thing. That was, that was pretty quick. Um, but yeah, once we did spelling, I kind of knew I'm like really working with something here. And yeah, I just kind of get a lot of freedom. Like people just kind of like just send me things and then I'll just make a demo like in the house. Then in, if I like it and after a couple of weeks, I, you know, I don't know, I would go to green and have like seven or eight different songs written and I just go in there and record them, you know, four or five hours, just record everything, try out different mics, you know, you know, trying like little effect things, just trying to like, you know, sculpt the song into a particular mood, you know, it was really cool. Like working with green in that way, you know, face to face, things get done quicker. You know, I could do it at home uh, or somewhere else. Uh, but, you know, working with someone like Green, like you just kind of develop this kind of like communication style and language about how to like go about it and things just become done quickly. Um, then sometimes like I, I'd even take like some songs home and I take my vocals and I might start you know, at home doing like like post-production things. Mm. Just things that I always do for like solo records or Arm & Hammer records, which is like I got my own chisel out and it needs to sound this way. The drop needs to come here this needs to be here, you know what I mean? Just like touches, just flourishes, you know? Uh, just to make the song, you know, that final song that everyone hears, you know, that hopefully they're responding to. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier that with like the bunny chow, when we were talking about bunny chow earlier, you mentioned that green made the beat sound bigger. And just generally, I've spoken to, I've had the pleasure of speaking to a ton of backwards uh, artists on this show. And when we always, when we get to the topic of green, it's always something very flattering and speaks to the impact that his presence and his work on a record is. And so could you describe like how truly different does like a song sound before and then after he does his mixing and mastering that he does for a record? Like mm. how is it really as like crazy different as we, we imagine? That'd be interesting. I could definitely do like a head to head, you know, maybe I'll do something like that on social media, just like, all right, y'all, this is what the song sounded like as soon as you recorded it. And this is what it sounded like after it was mixed and mastered. Um, that would be amazing. And I think, I think like, you know, the songs sound bigger, right? Like, I mean, Wither Green is just like a genius. He has a genius ear and he knows what he's doing, but like, you know, the same tools, the tools that he has are what everyone has in their com computer. If you know how to EQ, you know how to EQ. If you know how to compress, you know how to compress. Um, so it's just like in the demo, like things don't have their own space. Like the vocals might be fighting with the bass. So it sounds 
weird. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Or this part of the beat is way higher and I can't hear this other part. So things need to be balanced, you know, before like things are mixed. But yeah, Green just has this particular ear. Like, I think it comes from like, he doesn't mix just rap music, right? So like Willie Green can mix pop music. Willie Green, I believe was a Grammy nominated for like a gospel album, if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. Mixing like a gospel yeah. album. It's like Willie Green, you know, he just has a particular ear. So he has this idea of like hi-fi hip hop. You know what I mean? I think it really makes a difference in Arm and Hammer music because like obviously like our shit has a lot of words. We want to be heard. And also people are, are their ears or our ears are trained to like hear well, if you listen to underground rap, your ear is trained, you hear it in a particular way. And like, sure, there's been great hip hop mixes, but there's a lot of bad mixes or just average mixes uh, for the type of rap that we do, right? Like we want shit to ring out. We don't want it sounding dirty. We don't want it sounding muddy. Like that's never been like our goal. And that's been the goal for a lot of like hip hop music makers. Yeah, It's gotta be grimy. It's got, yeah. that's not really like, our you know it's not our thing and i think in the live show you hear i know you feel those beats i know how you feel how they bang you know what i mean like it does it just does um because of like what willie green does you know it's just like a master talent yeah it's like you guys make hi-fi gritty hip-hop it's like kind of a contradiction yeah. but it's not and that's yeah, the actually sounds, the sounds in the, yeah the sounds within the beat may be like dirty because i recorded on an iphone Right. The, the fidelity is already low, but Willie Green will make it so that it's like still pleasing to the ear. Like that's I don't know, man. Mixing and mastering especially is like it's a particular brand. Of oh, yeah. It's a yeah. different kind of brain. Like, yeah, because yeah, you guys have like that that gritty attitude that that kind of harkens back to those artists that you're kind of referencing about who really wanted that to be grimy. But it doesn't yeah. actually end up sounding like it, but it has the essence. It's just. It's a mind fuck, but it's it's great. And that's what we've all come to love. And just generally with this I Told Bessie album, I mean, this sound, I'm going to make a weird comparison now, but I think it makes sense, is that I feel like the sounds you ended up kind of putting together for this record, it, it kind of incorporates a lot, like the runs the gamut of like the things you've previously done mm. while also adding a new kind of, a bunch of new flavors to it and all kind of just like blending it to this like, really refined synthesized feel it reminds me of what kanye did with dark twisted fantasy like he wow. took the the kind of like gospel kind of chipmunk stuff like that soul sampling he added like the 808s auto-tune stuff he added but then he also added this like the grand orchestration from late registration and then added like this prog rock shit that he was on at that time and it i feel like it sounded amazing i love that album and i feel like you did a similar thing in the sense that you just kind of took all the best shit you've ever done and added some new shit and it's like i think the best thing you've ever done too thanks man thanks i i feel like you know there's a certain type of restlessness in like my musical like brain where it's just like you know especially within the since uh since save yourself you know i feel like a record should really show growth a record should show like things that you've been through and it's not just like my life like my life is gonna come out in the lyrics you know like but also just like shit i've been feeling sonically 
things I've been listening to, things that I've like processed in my way and like, yo, I could flip it like this way for my record. I'm gonna try and do that. You know what I'm saying? And like, hope, hope the people like respond to that. But yeah, I just think it kind of just shows like my own musical like interests, my own musical like sensibilities, which I've always, again, like in the past five years, it's on every record that I've been involved in, but like it's a group record. So it's not about me and like what, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. solo contributions. Yeah, it's not about that. But like my solo album, everybody should know. Like I did this, you know. Yeah, I did this with these people, and yeah, we do what we did. Okay, and before we wrap up here today, like I wanted to ask just a kind of a different stray question from one of my patrons on the show. Uh, uh, he's got patrons. That's yeah, fire. Yeah, I got <laughs> patrons, and this is actually someone that you've spoken to recently, Dano from Free Music Empire. Tight. Love that guy. Uh, and he asked a really cool question. And I think it'll be a fun one. He asked, what are your five favorite Backwoods oh, releases? But don't, you can't, to be to be fair here, you can't name any of your records or Arm & Hammer ones. Five favorite? I want to go with Shrapnel because I produced it. Oh, okay. I guess that counts. I guess that counts. But that's kind of cheap. <laughs> it's kind of cheap. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it. That Love that album. I'm going to go with... Um... I'm gonna go with uh, the Steel Tip Dub album. Yeah. I'm gonna go with uh, the Fielded Demisexual Lovelace. Mm. I'm gonna go with um, Woods, Hiding Places. And also, um, Today I Wrote Nothing. Today I Wrote Nothing. That's That's an interesting one. That's not the one that a lot of people put up amongst his favorites i find that one's not as popular that's just what, what why is that one your one of your favorite woods ones um i executive produced that album uh, interesting and i did that during the making of save yourself yeah oh damn yeah, yeah that one has a real like it does it, it does feel different than all his other records like it's the most disparate kind of like i don't know there's a beauty beauty to kind of how like how many different ideas? I mean, though, I like that the title is genius. Like today, I wrote nothing. It kind of like adds yeah. to that, plays off that. Just like there's a bunch of ideas here. It's it's a great record for sure. Yeah, man. And okay, so I want to give you the opportunity now just to kind of shout out, you know, any fans of yours listening. Like, what are the new or upcoming elusive activities, projects that we should know about that people should be uh, looking forward to? Oh shit, man. I, I don't know. I'm going to be in LA. I'm going to be in LA next week on Monday on the 1st. I have a live show. I don't know if they're going to see much touring from I Told Bessie, but I'm going to do what I can do. Um, so this is a second. It's the second show. We did in New York. It's a great show. Shout out Soul Glow, DJ Haram, Fatboy Sharif. Love Sharif. Love Sharif. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so yeah, LA on the first, we fire. I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't done much music making, not as much as I would like, but there's some things coming. There will be some things coming, um, within the next year and a half or so. I think we'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Okay. And I, I saw in that recent backwoods newsletter that you have a web store going live on your band camp. I don't know if oh, it'll yeah. be live That'll by be the time this airs. By Monday, it should be up. Okay, so by the time it's the series, guys, it should be out. Yeah. 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 It's just 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 some things I have that I uh, think people wouldn't would like. 
And uh, that'll be the place for all sort of like elusive solo, you know, kind of merch things. Yeah. That's exciting, man. I'm coming. I'm surprised I haven't done it. You know, but yeah, here we are. Here we are. Man, I love what you do. I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks, Rohan. Thanks for talking to me again. Yeah. Really appreciate what you do. And uh, just keep, keep doing what you're doing. And I think more and more people are kind of getting in tune and tap back into the previous work. There's a lot of great stuff before Haram and Bessie. I promise anybody listening here to I do that. Remember. I mean, like people like you is like kind of like stoke that fire, you know, um, feed that fire. Y'all just out here is like really listening and enjoying and then like telling everyone else. And like, that's, that's like, that's just the best. That's just the best. That's what every artist kind of wants and needs, especially in this time. You know what I mean? So for real, thank you. Thank you for fucking with us. Fuck with mm-hmm. me, you know? I'll leave it there. That that means a lot. Thank you so much. And <laughs> yeah, hope you have a great rest of the day. You too, man. Peace. Peace. I was choking on the church. So there we have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levi, Mahima, Jeff, Mitch, Dash Lewis, Pancake Cleaner, Trey, Noah, Justin, Brandon, Joe, Gavin, Matt, Teddy Faley, Jackson, Kian, Slumber Logic, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. Peace.